Hey there, and welcome to the devotional. I'm Walter, the dyslexic bilingual hillbilly and pastor of the Rhine River Baptist Church. Today is Wednesday, August 30th, 2023, and today is our 201st devotional. And today we're looking at uh, Jacob again, but his name gets changed to Israel. And Israel means prince with God. I've also heard of say, the one that strives with God um, or someone that wrestles with God uh, or someone that has power with God. So those uh, different ones, but um, the Bible that I was looking at, the different uh, names, the meanings, uh, it said prince with God there. So um, we find this in Genesis chapter 32, verse 28. It says, and he said, Thy name shall be no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. So something that, to keep in mind as we look at this and try to uh, realize what is going on with Jacob here, uh, what is going on with Israel. Um, it starts all the way back where he is still in the land of his uh, father-in-law, Padamaram, I think that's pronounced close, um, but he's back there and God tells him it's time to return back home. And so he goes to his wives and he tells them that they need to go back. And, and it's interesting because he draws his wives in. He calls them to himself. He tells them what they're going to do. And uh, he takes the lead here. Um it's interesting because before this, it appears that Jacob is the follower. Jacob is the one that um, doesn't have control. It's the wives that are controlling the way things are going. Um, <laughs> there's even a, a case where um, they tell him where he's going to sleep that night. So uh, here he starts to take charge. Uh, um the next thing that you see as he is fleeing, you find Laban chasing after him. And when Laban catches up with him, Jacob allows his band, his, his group to be searched by Laban. Laban was looking for his uh, stolen gods. Uh, Rachel had taken them and hid them and uh, Laban was looking for them. And he was upset that he had stolen his uh, his his daughters, his grandchildren, and not only that, his gods. Well, Jacob didn't steal anything. Again, this is what Esau had accused him of. You've stolen something. No, we bargained for it. It was mine. Uh, and now Laban is going back on his word. But Jacob allows himself to be searched for the gods. But then Jacob makes a covenant with Laban, and he would that they wouldn't seek the harm of, that Laban wouldn't cross over this uh, area to seek Jacob's harm. Jacob wouldn't cross over it to seek Laban's harm. And, and Jacob even prepares a feast for all of his brethren and offers an offering to God and says, the God of, of uh, Abraham and Nahor. So he's referencing back to their grandfather there, uh, Abraham's um brother and, and saying, think about what is going on here. This God, 
uh, he is the one that is going to watch over us. So um, he was calling them to remember that God is the one that judges here. So he's taking the lead again. The next thing that you see is he sends out um, uh, messengers to his, his brother Esau. They travel quicker than they can. Uh, Jacob has lots of cattle, lots of herds. You can't travel very fast with a herd of, uh, of animals, especially when you have different types of animals. Uh, they travel at different paces and they have different needs. And so you have to go kind of slow, uh, but the messenger can run down there quickly. Uh, the messenger comes back and says that Esau's coming to meet you and he's bringing 400 uh, men of war with him. Um, on the one hand, I could see Esau saying, you go back and you tell him I'm coming with 400 men and uh, then turn into the other people around him. This is gonna be a good joke. <laughs> I could see Esau doing that, but think about it from from Jacob's point of view we're in trouble here if he's coming with 400 men of war um, there's no way we have the capability to stand against that and so uh, what does Jacob do well he divides his his band up into uh, two groups of people so that if one gets attacked the other can escape uh, then he goes and starts sending uh, messengers to Esau with gifts and each group bringing, uh, some of them had cattle, some of them had uh, sheep, some of them had rams, uh, and he divided it all up into these different groups. And each group was to say, your brother Jacob, your servant Jacob is coming behind you or behind us. He's coming to meet you. He's your servant. And, and he stressed that very plainly that I'm your servant here. He wasn't trying to lord it over him. And, and so as he gets closer, then Jacob has this encounter with God. Now, just the night before he's supposed to meet his brother, he has this encounter with God. They wrestle all night long. He doesn't get any sleep. Uh, he is exhausted. He is at his wits end. He can't prevail with God uh, or with this wrestling match. He can't beat him. And, uh, and and come about the break of day, uh, God touches his thigh and puts it out of joint. And so from that day forward, Jacob walked with a limp and God asks for his name. And he says, I'm Jacob. And, and it's interesting to me that God has to bring us to this weak place. He brought Jacob to this weak place. He he put him at a very, quite a disadvantage when he was dealing with anyone else from this point forward. And then God says, you are blessed. Once Jacob acknowledged who he was, and once Jacob had set things in order, then God was able to bless him. And so what can we learn from the story of Jacob? Uh, as Jacob goes and meets his brother and then moves on into the land, what can we learn from him? Well, we should learn, um, first off, we should learn to be a servant leader in our home, to be the servant leader that God wants us to be in our homes. Husbands, we're supposed to be the servant leader of our wives. Uh, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Uh, there's not a better 
um, description of what a husband is supposed to do, then look at Christ and you be that. Now, I've heard some ladies say, well, when my husband starts doing what God has asked him to do, then I will honor him like I'm supposed to honor him. Um, that's an impossible task. None of us live up to what Christ is and, and there's no way we could. He was perfect. We're not. And so God is asking wives to submit and follow this fallen person. But husbands, we are supposed to love our wives and treat our wives as Christ loved the church and treated the church. So not only that, we are supposed to train up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 tells us that, not to provoke them to anger. Uh, another way of saying that, another way of looking at it is lawlessness, not to allow them to be lawless, but to train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So um, once we have that as husbands or as men, then we're supposed to lead the ones that God brings into our path. Um, the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 10, verse 44, whosoever you, of you will be chiefest shall be servant of all. I think this is something that is lost and missing in our day and age. Um, we see uh, it used to be when I was a kid, uh, people that were in government were called public servants. Uh, that was the title that was given to them. They were supposed to serve other people, and it was an honor to get to serve other people. Uh, but it it has turned into um, they're no longer our servants. We serve them. We're the subjects, not them. And, and that has bled over into lots of areas of life, uh, whether it's work, whether it's church, whether it's uh play, hobbies, whatever. Um, you have people that don't want to serve. They just want to rule over other people. And God tells us, whosoever of you will be chiefest shall be servant of all. You've got to be willing to serve others. And then um, we must learn to uh, acknowledge who we are to God. Not that he has to... Um, he already knows who we are. Um, it, it's not for his benefit at all. It is for our benefit. Once we can acknowledge who we are to God, then we come up, become of great value because we acknowledge our shortcomings. When Jacob says, my name's Jacob, uh, I am the deceiver. I am the, uh, the one that trips people up. Uh, before he had lied to his dad and he said, no, I'm Esau. I'm the firstborn here with God. He acknowledges, I'm not Esau. I am Jacob. I'm the deceiver. I'm the secondborn. I'm the one that caused the problems. And once he acknowledges that, God can change him. And God loves to change people. Uh, God's the only one that can. And when we're willing to acknowledge what, who we are and what we have done, then God can start working in our lives. Jesus said, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Uh, when we acknowledge this is who we are, this is what we've done, I don't like that anymore, then God can change it. So I hope that's a help to you looking at the life of, of Jacob slash Israel. And I hope you understand where that name comes from now and, and uh, why it's so significant that we are all uh, supposed to 
God has called us to be his children. His, we are princes, if you will. Uh, we are supposed to serve others, but we are God's servants. So I hope that's a help. And until the next time, auf Wiederhören.